Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. In this episode, we consider how organizations measure diversity and how that can impact the employer brand. My guest today is Janet M. Stovall, Global Head of DEI at the Neuro Leadership Institute, a global neuroscience-backed consultancy advising companies including Boeing, Microsoft, Netflix, and Zoom on DEI and workplace culture. Janet, welcome to the show. Bill, it is great to be here. I am looking forward to this conversation with you. So beyond my introduction there, Janet, why don't you start by introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about your career background and your new role at the Neuroleadership Institute? Well, it is a new role and um, it was created because of the fact that we recognize that diversity, equity and inclusion are foundational to just about every organization that's out there. But it's also changing a lot. I mean, it's one of those things um, I had somebody say to me the other day, this is the first time I've had a job where the headlines can determine what kind of day I'm going to have. And that's the truth. And so what we did at NLI was, um, you know, we are very focused on brain-based organizational change. But, um, and and the benefit of that in DEI is that DEI is so subjective. And this is sort of an objective approach to dealing with it. But what people need has grown. So we needed to grow how we responded to that. So the role was created, A, it's global, and B, it takes our consulting department, because I also head the DEI consulting practice, and it allows us to tap into all the expertise across the entire company. We're calling it, we've turned it into a center of excellence, and to tap into all those brains all over NLI to bring those brains to bear on this issue and to make DEI something that we recognize is multifaceted and we can respond to in a multifaceted way. So it is a new role and um, it's a new role and I'm new to it, but I am so excited and I've already started um, having a great time doing this, starting with this interview, of course. Okay, just a quick follow-up on uh, something you mentioned in your answer there. You, You suggested that components of DEI are subjective. Can you tell us more? I say DEI is subjective because if you think about it, diversity is the easy part of that. Diversity, equity, inclusion. Diversity is the easy part. That's counting bodies in the building. And you can do that pretty simply. But diversity is not the same thing as inclusion. And neither of them is the same thing as equity. Inclusion is one of those things where you have to ask yourself, um, what does inclusion mean to me? There is no universal answer to that. We have people, we, we try to give it one. Well, it's being your authentic self. It's being able to show up as you are. First of all, nobody really does that in the workplace. We really don't. Um, but it, it's sort of ethereal. And um, so that's subjective because it's subjective in the sense that it means something different for every organization. What inclusion looks like one place is not what it looks like someplace else. So that's subjective. Equity, there are parts of that that are objective, depending on how you define equity, once again. So if you define equity as equity in pay, that's pretty easy to figure out. That's pretty objective. You can look at it and say, you know, who's who's making what? And is everybody getting the same thing that at the level that they should be at? But if you in term, if you look at equity as 
giving people what they need so that they have a fair opportunity and an equal opportunity to contribute and to succeed, then that's a little bit more subjective because then you have to start asking yourself the question, who who doesn't have this already? What things do they need? How can we get to it? So that's what I mean. The whole concept of it is subjective. Diversity itself is the least least subjective of all of this. But the equity and inclusion, kind of, you know, kind of difficult to put your finger on sometimes. We'll be right back to this conversation after this very brief message from today's sponsoring partner. The days of matching web keyword searches with resumes and job descriptions is over. It's all about cultural fit. Workzinger empowers job seekers looking for jobs and employers looking for new hires to have thoughtful and insightful conversations, making the recruiting process more successful for both sides. Learn more at workzinger.com. Now you can perhaps tell me about the Neuroleadership Institute, the mission, and how it helps HR pros, leaders, and employees. The Neuroleadership Institute, um, our, our, our mission is to make organizations more human through science. And when we talk about, for example, the solutions that we use that are in the DEI realm, one of our most the one that's sold most in the DEI space is a solution called Decide. And it's based on a model called Seeds. We have another one about inclusion that's based on a model called SCARF. How it helps any organization and especially HR professionals is that it gives you a common language. If people start talking about things in the same way, then you, you make a big leap to being able to solve for it. So for example, if the seeds model, which is all about how is all about unconscious bias and how the, how the brain operates with the bias that you're born with, that we've evolved with. If you can point to somebody's bias in a situation, in a system, in any of those things, and you're not pointing to it and saying you're biased or this is biased, but what types of unconscious conscious bias, for example, could be at play here. And everybody's using that same language. It helps you advance what it is you're trying to do. The fact that it's based on science is helpful because everybody's got a brain. You know, everybody's got a brain. We come from different backgrounds. We have different experiences, different lived experiences, different abilities, all these things, but we've all got brains. So if you can find a way to ground your organizational change And if you can find a way to change your habits, because that's what NLI is about, is helping people change habits. At the end of the day, we want to change hearts and minds. We do. We really do. But sometimes hearts and minds aren't easy to change. But we can tangibly change habits. If everybody understands what the language is, if they have clear, simple to execute habits, and if you measure after the the fact how many people are actually demonstrating those habits, it's a whole lot easier to figure out how you're going to move from whatever your state is to whatever target state you want to get to. So I would say that what NLI does is we give you like common languages, we give you habits, and we ground it in brain science. How are organizations currently measuring diversity then? How should they? And how does this impact employees' viewpoints of a company? In terms of how companies are currently measuring diversity, most companies are and have been for a while tracking sort of two levels of DEI 
data. There's a mandated data, which um, I characterize, I call it level one DEI metrics. And those are the ones that governments of any sort um, require that you collect. And the United States, of course, is the EEOC. And you got to collect that and all employees collect it no matter what. Those are among the easiest to measure for the same reason that I said earlier, because just counting bodies in the building. And you can count things like um, race, ethnicity, gender, job categories, those kind of things. You can count that depending on what your, um, your government and your country allows you to collect. But most companies have to collect this. It's standardized. It's retroactively trackable. You can go back and say where you were so you can see whether or not you advance and you can trend, do trending and benchmark on it. That's level one. Level two DEI metrics are the more voluntary ones. Those are the ones where you have to ask somebody, it's not visible, and they have to tell you. Um, organizations that are trying to be more inclusive will try to ask those. It's a little difficult because if you're going to ask somebody to tell you what their gender identity is, their sexual orientation, even their age and, and perhaps some ability issues that aren't visible, they have to trust what you're going to do with that data. So those are a little bit more difficult to collect. But if you want to be inclusive, you try that. Um, and some organizations also track retention so they can monitor attrition. And that can be an indicator of inclusion or lack of it. But really, most organizations measure diversity only. And while that's important, because you do want to know what the representation is in your organization and at, in the workforce and at what level, because that's key to understanding where, where you're doing well, where you're not doing so well, where you need to improve. It's important, for example, to know whether the right people or the people that you want to be the right people are moving into leadership. In addition to that, those kind of people metrics, some organizations are taking it a little bit further and they're looking at factors related to the DEI programs they put in place, how much is budgeted, um, what kind of training and programming you're doing, and the participation and the impact of your DEI training. Now, in terms of what they should be tracking, how should they do it? I would say that for organizations that are truly committed to DEI, you have to measure inclusion and equity. That's equally important. And as I said earlier, that's where it gets a little fuzzy. Um, there are some inclusion metrics that some organizations are using, pay equity, whether or not you have ERGs or BRGs and how involved people are, employment, employment, employee engagement and experience, which you can do with surveys, you know, whether they're mentorship programs and who's getting in them and how how available they are to everybody. That's a little bit more subjective, but it's a, you can sort of hang some numbers on that. But it calls for answering and answering, a, asking and answering a couple of questions. What would include an inclusive environment at this company look like? What does inclusion look like here? What gets in the way of that? Because once you know what you're solving for, then you can always reverse engineer the metrics to measure it. And, you know, finally, how does it impact employees' viewpoint? Well, transparency is key. It, the questions that your employees are going to ask you are, is the needle moving? Are you delivering on your, your DEI promises? And are you serious about this? And usually, are you serious about this for whatever group I consider myself a part of? If you can answer those questions, then they'll feel better about what you're doing. If you have DEI goals and you can't answer those questions or you can't show that data, it can certainly impact whether or not they feel that the company is honest and committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. How are companies measuring diversity incorrectly? And what tools of measurement for DEI aren't working at the moment? Well, as I said earlier, um, 
body counting representation, that's not a great one. I mean, it's important to understand some things, but head count can only tell you so much. Just because you know that you have the representation there, the so what is there? What are you going to do with it? Because you will find often that when people do counts of diversity and representation, you know, one of the trends you often see is that the representation is pretty good at the bottom, but it gets a lot more, you know, a lot less as you move to the top. So just knowing that you have like you have 50% women, you got to ask the question, where are those people? So that's why I say representation is one that they're using and it's not a bad one, but it's not sufficient. So that's not the greatest one to use all the time. Um, another one that I see people using a lot is if they have training and, leader, and leadership development programs in place, um, completion rates. Are people doing the training? Are people entering the programs? Once again, you can count that. And that is a measure that tells you something, but that doesn't tell you what you really need to know. Is the training sticking? Are people getting into development programs and coming out on the other end and getting promoted? So uh, that's not the greatest one. And then there are the pulse studies. And those are good because they measure sort of how people feel. And that's probably better than a lot of the other ones. But sometimes they're not targeted enough sometimes they beg the questions that you want to get the right answers to because it's not easy to say tell us where we're really screwing up we don't want to do that so sometimes those can be weighted the wrong way but those are the ones that are people using to a great extent for the same reasons i said earlier because it's sort of hard i won't say it's hard i will say it is daunting when you look at it in the beginning to think how do you measure whether or not we are creating an inclusive environment whether or not we are leveraging the diversity that we have. I would argue that you have to develop tools that are unique for your organization because you have to start off with asking yourself, what are we solving for? And that's going to be different at every organization. What would good look like? That's going to be different at every organization. And how do we know if, uh, how do we really know if we are achieving what we want? If you start there, you can reverse engineer, you can back into the right tools. I'll give you an example. When a lot of people talk about innovation, when you ask most companies, why do you care about diversity? What are you solving for with diversity? They'll say, well, innovation. And my response is, okay, so how are you measuring that? You know, crickets, you don't hear anything. Um, if you say you are solving for innovation and you have not put tools in place to measure the connection of diversity to innovation, then you don't know that you're getting what you say you want in a, you want diversity for. And there are numbers out there all over the place, but they are correlative and not causative. You know, we see these numbers that um, companies with this much diversity have this much more innovation. If they haven't found a way to actually tie the outcomes, innovation outcomes to the diversity that went into that, that was input to it, they don't know whether that's true. It's possible. It's, it's, it's like I say, it's correlative, but is it causative? So they're measuring diversity incorrect. They're measuring diversity. Most people measure that correctly. It's measuring the other things that they're not doing very well. Okay, thanks. So who's most receptive to your services? HR, leaders, others? Well, it depends on, first of all, and I'm, I'm going to speak you know, primarily from the DEI arena, because we have different practices and they would deal with different people. Um, in the DEI arena, it depends on who's leading that and what they're leading with. So if what they're leading with is training, you know, we just, we just want training. We just want to educate our people, whatever. 
often we're talking to a training and leadership development um, director. If it is truly culture change, in which case we may be coming in with some solutions, but we're also bringing in the consulting team to do with that. And we're bringing in our behavior change model, which is priorities, we call it PHS, which stands for priorities, habits, and systems. Then probably we're talking to somebody in the C-suite or very close to it. We may be talking to the chief diversity officer. We may be talking to the senior VP of um, diversity, or we may be talking to the, the chief HR director. So it depends on who does diversity, who's in charge of it in an organization. Now, if you ask me, that's so your question was, who do we normally talk to? Now, if you ask me who I wish we could talk to and where I think we are most effective is if we are talking to a combination of people, the folks who are in charge, whoever's leading HR, whoever is leading um, training and development, if that's the piece we're going to provide, and whoever is leading diversity, because sometimes those aren't the same people. Sometimes they are. But um, talking to the person, the people who are highest level, they generally have the better view, the longer view, the strategic view of what it is you're trying to do with DEI. And if they don't have it or they haven't figured it out, part of what we do is come in and help them figure it out. That's the whole concept of priorities. And then a lot of times when we get to the habits part, we go a little bit deeper down into the organization, the people who are on the front lines, who have to deal with folks to change things. And then back to the systems part, that can also be at the top. So we do talk to the C-suite and ideally, depending on what it is you want us to come in and do, that is who we need to talk to. And we talk to HR, depending once again on what where diversity lives within your organization. And just finally for today, Janet, how can we learn more about you and about the Neuroleadership Institute? Well, I'm easy to find. I'm out there on LinkedIn. Just put in Janet Stovall. I will show up. Um, there's another Janet Stovall out in the world, and she's a nurse, I believe. But um, LinkedIn doesn't really make that distinction. It'd be pretty easy to find me. Um, the Neuroleadership Institute, we have a website. You are welcome to go there, neuroleadership.com. And I am happy to have people email me directly. My email address is janetstovall at neuroleadership.com. Awesome. And that just leaves me to say for today, Janet, thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. It's been great. And as always, listeners, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media.